Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to 2 Samuel 14. 2 Samuel 14. And just to give a little bit of context here, uh, we, uh, through uh, chapters really 8 through 10, we discovered David's triumphs and really some of the great victories that he won in 2 Samuel there. And some of the, 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 the things that had happened in 2 Samuel 11 was the very sad story of when you're not in the right place, when you're not following the Lord. Even as a Christian, you are vulnerable to even the sins that you think that you would never do. And that's what happened to David as he sinned with Bathsheba. And then now, for the last several chapter, last couple chapters here now, and really as we're going to carry through into the middle of 2 Samuel, uh, we're going to see D- David's uh, consequences and really his trials because of his sin. Yes, he did get right. He did find the immensity of God's forgiveness, how big it is, and how he can have a clean heart but because he's not dealing with really his children and the fallout of, of the sin, he's finding that creep into his kingdom and cause problems. We looked at 2 Samuel chapter 13, and that was the sin of Amnon, his, his son, and how he committed the sin of rape. And we, we discussed that very difficult topic of, of how this, this is happening right here in the house of a, of a man that is known as the man after God's own heart. And, and he still was the man after God's own heart. It's just that he had really a problem and he was not perfect, just like we are not perfect. And he struggled with dealing with his own children. What was the ultimate uh, discipline that, that should have been had? I, I say discipline because I, I do discipline my own kids. What was the ultimate judgment that should have come upon Amnon for sinning that way? Should have been killed. He should have been, he should have been taken and, and, and stoned to death or, or killed. And, and that was what, was what was to take place. And, and in David's own life, he, he couldn't bring himself to do that. And maybe we'll see why in just a moment. So what happened? His brother Absalom, uh, the, the brother of the, of, the, of the young lady that Amnon had con- committed incest with, now is bitter. And we saw really the second part of that, that sin there in chapter 13 was the bitterness of Absalom and how he came down and he manipulated his father. He said, I, hey, won't you come out to the field with me? Why don't you come with me, Father? And, uh, and his father was too busy. And, and Absalom knew that. Absalom knew his father was going to be too busy, and so he manipulated, manipulated him and said, Well, would you just allow your, my brother Amnon to come with me and, and the rest of the, the king's sons? That's what he really wanted. Funny fact, I actually heard this happen in Walmart with a boy and his father this week. It was just yesterday. I was I was buying a, a mattress for my for my uh, youngest son, and just uh, I found a really cheap fifty dollar mattress at Walmart, and I was going down towards the clearance aisle there in Walmart, and passing the Lego aisle, and uh, it was right there a father with his two sons, and his father's like, Dad, I want that one, I want that one, and it's like a seventy to a hundred dollar Lego set, and Dad's like. Oh, son, I can't buy that for you. That's way too expensive. You know that. And he's like, well, I didn't want that anyway. Just manipulating his father. <laughs> I didn't want that anyway. I wanted this. <laughs> and just 
Like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's Absalom. <laughs> Dad, I, I didn't really want that. I just want to guilt trip you. And so he guilt trips his father into allowing Amnon to come out. And he instructs his servants, Absalom does, to kill him and to get him drunk and, and to kill him. And that's exactly what happens. And, and now Absalom has murdered his brother. And he flees to the, to the mountains near, near Geshur. And he goes to, to live with his mother's uh, family in that area. And he is gone for three full years. And that's really where we pick up the narrative tonight. So let's, let's, uh, look, at, let's look at the last verse of verse. Uh, look at the last few verses of chapter 13. Verse 37 of chapter 13 just to back up and give us a little bit of context here. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, and the son of, the son of Ahimad, and king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years, and the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. And, and I explained last week as we ended... He wants to go forth. He wants to make things right with his son. He wants to forgive him, and he does not. He doesn't deal with what God has put in front of him. He doesn't deal with the consequences. And because of that, we're going to see in future chapters that really the sin that comes out of Absalom, the, the, the him laying with the wives of David, him ruining and, and stealing the hearts of the people, all of that could have been prevented. Sure, Yes, the, the judgment of the Lord would come out and be, and be carried out as, as God had prophesied through the, the prophet Nathan, but it didn't have to happen through David's sons. David could have pressed forward. And that's what I, what I want to preach on tonight, pressing forward. Do you realize when we fail, Satan will tempt you in your failure to get insecure Yes, you might accept God's forgiveness, but you will think to yourself, you will allow Satan to put it in your mind that, that you can't do anything right, that you can't move forward. And so if we allow insecurity to bind us constantly about what we could have been, we will never be or we will never experience what God wants us to be. Let me say that again. If we are, allow insecurity to bind our lives, if we allow Satan to continue to lie to us about what we could have been, we keep looking backwards, we will never experience what God wants us to be pressing forward. Let's pray. Father, would you help us tonight as we look to your word of, of a man named David who was not perfect. He, he was just like us. He was made of the same stuff. God, I'm asking you tonight, would you reveal to us areas in our life where we're still looking back and we're not pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ? Lord, I'm praying that tonight you would reveal some insecurities in our life that need to go, that need to get drop-kicked tonight, that we can be secure in Christ, that we can move forward in you. And really what we just need to focus on is, is being obedient to you moving here forward. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we see here in chapter 14 is a man who's burdened about David getting into back into a right relationship with his son Absalom. And so he creates a plan, and that was his servant Joab. So let's look at the first three verses here in chapter 14. 
Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was towards Absalom. Joab, if you remember, is the nephew of David. Zeruiah was David's sister, and so this is his, his nephew that is burdened for this. Verse 2, And Joab sent to Tekoa, and fetched thence a wise woman, and said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on now mourning apparel, and anoint thyself with oil, and be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. And come to the king, and speak on, on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. Okay, so his, his plan is to have a woman fake that she is mourning for her son, or her, as we're going to see his plan, uh, mourning for the dead, and she's going to come and tell this story to David. And he has an idea, if he can somehow speak to the king through her, give her the words to say, write her a speech, she'll memorize it and say it to the king, that maybe this will turn the king's heart back towards his son. We don't quite know exactly why he was doing this, but I know this, he, he didn't want to see Absalom uh, banished for, for life, and he wants to see him come back. And here, the woman of Tekoa speaks, and she speaks as, as one who has a need for forgiveness to take place in her family. Let's look at verse 4 together. And when the woman of Tekoa spake unto the king, she fell on her face to the ground and did obeisance, and said, Help, O king. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, I am indeed a widow, a widow woman, and mine husband is dead, and thy handmaid had two sons, and they strove together in the field. Does that sound familiar? This is exactly what happened between Absalom and Amnon. He strove together in the field, and he killed his brother. So she's telling a similar story. And they two strove together in the field, and there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid. And they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew, and we will destroy the heir also. And so they shall quench my, quench my coal, which is left, and, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth. What is she saying? In Jewish culture, in Israelite culture, it is very important that one carries on, has, has the ability to have a son to carry on the family name. And so when she's saying, my coal is, my last coal is going to be taken away from me, would you please find a reason? Is there any area that we could find a reason for forgiveness to take place. And so this is a plea. This is really a need for forgiveness. She says, this last son that I have that everyone wants to kill is the only one that can carry on my family name. So Joab, through this woman, is trying to get the king to see that there is possibility in pretty much any situation to find reconciliation, to find forgiveness. And even in this similar yet false situation, he presents the plea to the king. Look at verse 8 with me. And the king said unto the woman, Go to thine house, and I will give charge concerning thee. And the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord, O king, the iniquity be on me and my father's house, and the king and, the king and his throne be guiltless. And the king said, Whosoever saith aught unto thee, 
Bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. Then said she, I pray thee, let the king remember the Lord thy God, that thou wouldest not suffer the revengers of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of thy son fall on the earth. So here she, she you know, pretends to breathe a sigh of great relief, and David promises her that nothing's going to happen, that there will be forgiveness, that forgiveness, reconciliation can happen in this dire circumstance. But then verse 12 comes along, and she changes her tune, and she says, I have something else to say, king. And here she challenges the king to press forward in forgiveness in his own matter. Verse 12, Then the woman said, Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word unto my lord the king. And he said, Say on. And the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king doth speak this thing as one which is faulty, and the that the king doth not fetch him home again his banished. Who was his banished? Absalom, his own son. King, you, you've found a, a way, a wise way to help me reconcile my situation of, of one who has so-called killed his brother. Why can you not, why are you faulty? Why do you stand faulty and are not able to forgive your own son, are not able to see his face. It's been three years, is what Joab is saying, and you haven't gone out and sought reconciliation. Verse 14, For we must needs die, and, and, and are as water split on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. She's making a plea for forgiveness there. Now, therefore, that I am come to speak of this thing unto my lord the king, it is because the people have made me afraid, and thy handmaid said, I will now speak unto the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his handmaid. Verse 16, For the king will hear to deliver his handmaid out of the hand of the man that would destroy me, and my son together out of the inheritance of God. Then thine handmaid said, The word of the Lord my, the king shall now be comfortable, for as an angel of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and bad. Therefore the Lord thy God will be with thee. And here now David has become wise. He knows that this is not, he's starting to realize that this is not a real situation that this was almost like a prophet coming to him, but it wasn't. It was someone tricking him to get a real message across. And that, that becomes evident here in verse 18. Then the king answered and said unto the woman, Hide not from me, I pray thee, the thing that, that, I, shall ask, that I shall ask thee. And the woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. And the king said, Is not the hand of Joab with thee? Is Joab behind this? Is there someone up? Did, who put you up to this? Was it Joab? Was he, he the guy behind this? Is not the hand of Joab with thee in all this? And the woman answered and said, As thy soul liveth, my lord the king, none can turn to the right hand or to the left from aught that my lord the king hath spoken. For thy servant Joab, he bade me 
and he put all these words in, my, in the mouth of thy handmaid. To fetch about this form of speech hath thy, thy servant Joab done this thing. And my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of an angel of God to know all things that are in the earth. Yes, King, you found it out. This is, this is exactly what's happened. The plan of Joab is revealed. And now he, he speaks then to Joab and he says, I want you to go and bring Absalom home. That's okay. I, I, yes, yes, he can come home. And I don't know where David's heart is at this point, but he's at least, he, he, we know that his heart is longing. That's what we know from Scripture. We know that his heart longs to reconcile, but he never fully does. And here we find in, in, verse, uh, in verse 21, And the king said unto Joab, Behold, now I have done this thing. Go therefore and bring the young man Absalom again. And Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I have found grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. And in, the, and in that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And now I want you to catch this. We've read a lot of scripture to this point. This is a long narrative. But I want you to catch what the king does. Remember that Absalom has been gone for three years to this point. And this is what happens when he comes back with Joab, verse 24. The king's failure here to press forward. And the king said, let him turn to his own house and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. Go down to verse 28. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. I don't know why David did this, and I'm not going to even speculate on it. But I do know this, he did not press forward. He didn't press forward. I don't know why he didn't want to see his face. But I do know this, he didn't, he didn't press forward and, and was not obedient going forward with his children. He knew that he had failed. He knew that Amnon had died. He knew that he had not been obedient to the Lord. He knew that he had even confessed his sin and gotten a clean heart. He knew all of this, and yet there was not a pressing forward. Absalom did not see his father for five years. He was not allowed to see the king's face. Looking at Absalom, I'm sure that David saw his own failure. And I don't know if that's why he couldn't bear to look at him in the face. We know that he didn't deal with Amnon, and Amnon was dead. Why didn't he deal with Amnon? Why couldn't he look him in the face and deal with his own son? Why couldn't he deal with his, his son in, in, the, in the matter of adultery of of, of taking a woman and laying with her. Well, David had done the same thing. And I don't know if David saw his own sin in that, but he did not. He, he had already gotten clean, and he did not move forward and pass that forgiveness on to his son and bring his son into, into forgiveness. Teach his son how to, how to be forgiven by God. Teach his son the mercy of God. And he, did this, he made the same mistake with Absalom by not 
by not choosing to see his face, by choosing to say, son, I, 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 can't, I can't look at you. I don't know what he saw in Absalom. He was a murderer. Absalom was a murderer, and David was too. Could he have seen his own sin, reminded of his own sin, constantly looking back at the sin of murdering Uriah the Hittite? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But what I do know is that he didn't press forward in obedience and deal with it. And what I want us to glean tonight is that we can get so caught up in looking backwards that we actually never move forward in our Christian life. We can get so caught up in wishing that we had been a better mom, wishing that we had been a better dad to our kids, wishing that we could go back and do it all over again, and not forgetting things which are behind and pressing forward. We can get so caught up in constantly being insecure about what we could have been that we don't ever experience what God wants us to be. We as Christians need to press forward. And pressing forward takes obedience. Obedience steps that realize that it's a moment-by-moment walk. That it's a day-by-day walk. We are going to feel weak. We are going to feel inadequate. We are going to feel insecure at times. But we need to claim security in Christ. We need to claim that Christ has all the grace to meet our needs moving forward and that we can be obedient to him. That's what pressing forward is. That's where we find grace. That's where we're able to experience the joy of the Christian life because we can know, yes, I'm forgiven. I don't need to look back. I don't need to to wallow in the mud of what I could have been. Christ forgives me. Christ knows who I am. He's not embarrassed by who I am. He wants me to press forward in obedience. I believe firmly that if David would have pressed forward in obedience, the, the, the judgment that was passed upon him by Nathan saying that, you know, obviously his son would die, that his, his evil would come from his house, different things could have happened, uh, the sword would not depart from his house, that his wives would be laid with openly. Nathan passed that judgment from the Lord upon him. I don't think it had to happen through his kids. I think he could have been faithful and moved forward with this. God would bring along that providence and, and keep his word in judgment elsewhere, but it could have been that he could have retained his kids had he moved forward with obedience and dealt with sin. God's will for us tonight is to say, God, I know I'm inadequate. You didn't pick me because I'm gifted. You picked me because you loved me first, and now I get to love you. And Lord, I need to press forward. Let's end tonight by going to Philippians chapter 3. That's in the New Testament. Another inadequate man that wrote this book, Paul. He called himself the chief of sinners. In Philippians chapter 3, And starting in verse 13, I'll give you just a moment to get there. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read two verses, 13 and 14. He says this, Brethren, I count, my, uh, I count not myself to have apprehended. I don't count myself to have gotten there. I haven't reached, 
I haven't reached anything. You're not going to reach perfection until we get to heaven. You are made of the same stuff. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now imagine with me, just in your mind, if Paul would have never done that. We wouldn't have the book of Acts like we have it today. We, would, we may have the book of Acts, but it might read a whole lot different. What, what did Paul have to leave behind? Who was Paul? A murderer. Persecutor of Christians. A slave owner, almost, yeah. Uh, he, he, he murdered people. He knew that that was, that was his past life. That's who he was before he found Jesus Christ. And even after his salvation, what does Romans 7 tell us? Romans 7 is Paul uh, battling between the flesh and the spirit. He says, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing for Christ. The things that I, that I know that I shouldn't do, those are the things I'm doing. So even after salvation, it's not that we, we stop struggling, but it's that we need to continue every single day to forget those things which are behind and to press forward. Why is that so important? Because Christ has a plan for you to be molded closer to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God has a plan for you to be molded closer to the, his, the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The way that that can be stopped is if you allow Satan to have ground in your life. I don't, I'm, I'm just so insecure. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if people will, will accept me or people will think about me this way. You know, if I, if I come out and I'm just, I'm just honest and I just want to grow and I, you know, I, I don't know how people will, will accept me. You are accepted in the beloved. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 says. You are accepted by Christ. You don't have to be worried about being accepted by everybody. You need to, you need to focus on, on who you are in Jesus Christ. And once you start doing that, if we, allow, if we allow that insecurity to fade, get that insecurity out of our lives, you will start growing. You will start seeing things happen. You will start seeing the love of Jesus Christ being able to flow through you. But like I said at the beginning here, if we allow insecurity to bind us constantly about who we could have been, then we will never experience who God wants us to be. We need to press forward. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you tonight, would you just take this simple message, this really simple narrative of David's life and the, and the trials that he's going through, really the fallout of his sin, and God, would you use it in our lives to help us to focus on who you want us to be, not get discouraged when, when we aren't all that you want us to be, but to realize that you're not embarrassed. You are a loving father, just like a loving father with any child would teach him and nurture him and allow him to grow. And Lord, we, we have a lot of those growing in grace moments. We have a lot of those failures throughout our day. And God, we just need your love to be showered on us tonight. We need to remember who you are. And um, Lord, I just ask that you would, you would use this in someone's life tonight or to, to help them to forget those things which are behind, allow them to be put under the blood, 
and to keep pressing forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.